Hello, my friends. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to another podcast we like to call the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's a production of Paul White Ministries. I'm Paul White, and it is the 27th day of January. We put nine audio drops a week up for all listeners free of charge. Seven of those drops are our daily podcast, 365 days a year. We usually go seven, eight, nine minutes or so talking about the Bible or various topics or subjects in the Bible, oftentimes walking left to right through books of the Bible, currently working through the Abrahamic stories in the book of Genesis. We also have two full audio drops, one on Wednesday, one on Sunday. Our Wednesday drop is from our Tuesday evening Bible studies in Flowery Branch, Georgia, and our Sunday drops are from somewhere around the world, mostly in the United States, traveling and sharing good news. PaulWhiteMinistries.com is the place to find all of this and more. We encourage you to check it out. Lots of free material, including a few things in our store that are for sale, several of our books, several of our teaching series. If you'd like to be a part of our ministry as a partner, we would love to have you join arms with us in both prayer and in financial partnership, whatever amount. We say thank you, and we are so thankful for you. You can do that at paulwhiteministries.com as well. Okay, the last couple of days, we've worked with Paul and James and how they view Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain. It's not only Paul and James we've dealt with from the New Testament. We've actually dealt with Jesus in the New Testament as well because the first comparison we made walking up Mount Moriah was Jesus the true Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Not only does John the Baptist throw his hat into the ring, here's the Lamb of God, Jesus throws his hat into the ring as the Lamb of Revelation 5, but James, yesterday we, we read from James 2, of his contribution to the commentary on Abraham, and now we land in Romans 4, with Paul's commentary in which Paul said, what shall we say? Verse 1, Romans 4, 1, that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Then Paul transitions to David, celebrating the same truth in regards to David, where David writes in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. And then Paul transitions back to Abraham in regards to circumcision. Was Abraham circumcised or uncircumcised when God gave him the blessing? And the answer is he was uncircumcised. So how could God give an uncircumcised man the blessing if the Jewish idea was that the blessing came to the circumcised only? You can see where Paul's going with the argument. He's trying to establish the fact that God cannot be put in a box. God gets to forgive whomever he wants. God gets to declare righteous whomever he wants. And that Abraham was not righteous because Abraham did righteous things, but was righteous because of faith in God. The conflict, of course, between Paul and James is that James talks about that righteousness or that faith not being sufficient to show forth that righteousness, but that works were included. And I hope you'll listen to yesterday's podcast if you didn't 
to get my opinion on what James is doing. Knowing what James is doing, or at least knowing it's one of the things James is doing, you might then say that Paul is doing the opposite. If James is trying to show that faith alone doesn't help the homeless man or feed the hungry man, you have to put your works on it because what good is it to your neighbor if you have faith with no works behind it? Good argument. Then Paul's argument is the transverse of that, which would be no matter how many homeless men you helped, it wouldn't make you righteous if you're helping that man from the place of righteousness, you might prove to that man that your faith works. But you can't help that man into the place that faith works. So Paul is establishing personal righteousness independent of what you do. And why would Paul make this argument? It's probably because... And we're in chapter 4, but in front of this, Paul's been making a comparison between the Gentile and the Jew. He's tried to show that they are both equally guilty and thus both equally in need of a Savior. And near the end of the third chapter of Romans, he establishes that righteousness apart from the law has been revealed and that that righteousness is named Jesus. He then wants to double down on his argument that if everybody is in trouble, then only in Jesus can they be out of trouble, that Judaism doesn't have a corner on that market, that they cannot boast and brag that they are the ones who have access to God. Paul says that can't be the case. Abraham wasn't a Jew. He was an uncircumcised man. And if we are receiving exactly what Abraham had, then we have to receive exactly as Abraham received. And therefore, Paul's argument doesn't have anything to do with whether or not offering Isaac made Abraham righteous. In fact, Paul makes it pretty clear that nothing made him righteous except faith. In fact, Romans 4.13, the promise that Abraham would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so Paul concludes that all of this is counted to Abraham for righteousness, and it would also, verse 24, be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So nothing I can do can make me righteous, but it's what Christ has done, and I'm believing in that. Let's put Paul and James together, shall we? And that's the way to read the Bible. Put them together, and I think you'll end up with something approximating the following. Believe on Jesus as your righteousness, and account your sins into Him so that you can account His righteousness into you. But don't leave it there. The fact that you have been counted righteous now makes you liable to your neighbor. And when you see Him, have more than a word for Him. Have a cup of cold water. Have what He needs. Have something more than a verbal blessing. Have something that proves to Him that your faith actually makes a difference. 
Otherwise, all you'll have is a theological argument, but you won't have anything that will change the world. And I think you and I have all sat through sermons and services and churches in which the argument was, Jesus will change the world. Jesus will change the world. Get correct doctrine will change the world. The truth will change the world. Then we pat each other on the back and we go have a buffet. And James would look at us and say, you're going to have to do better than that if you want to change your neighbor. And I don't think Paul would disagree. I think we're talking about two different manifestations of the same kind of righteousness by faith. All right, that's their commentary on Abraham. We go back to Moriah tomorrow where Abraham tells Isaac that God will provide himself a lamb and we're going to finally see what that lamb looked like in Abraham and Isaac's context, not simply prophetic. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.